Thank you so much for tuning into the Mirage. This is a trigger warning. Portions of this interview refer to the events that took place on September 11th, 2001. If you'd like to bypass this part of the interview, you can jump to 9 minutes and 30 seconds. Thank you again for listening. My mom on the... I have to take the squeaky toy from her. Be right back. Sorry. No, thank you. So, season three started with me finding my voice, talking about all of the things that have made me who I am, and I love that we're about to round out, bring this third season to a close by interviewing a person that I have looked up to and wanted to embody, and I've just consistently admired and adored my aunt Faith. So now this is a person that is very instrumental in me being who I am, for a million reasons and today we'll scratch the surface and talk about a few of those reasons and find out why she's so incredible so thank you for wanting to be on the podcast oh it, it's such a nice place to be I've, I've been just kind of in awe at your skills and what you bring out in people so i'm like come on i want to be on there i want Ava to, yeah. to to interview me and ask me all those great questions you're good at what you do my dear I appreciate it. Thank you. And then it's always so like intimate. The fact that we are taking the time. I thank you for investing time because I'm sure you have a million other things you could be doing. So the fact that we do get to just intimately sit and exchange and chat in that way, that's really, really meaningful. So yeah, just, just hash it all out. We're going to put it all on the table today. <laughs> in terms of you being exactly who you are. Let's start on the surface. Do you mind giving me just kind of a bullet point list, the degrees that you've obtained and the amount of time and hard work that you've put into your education and your career, as well as your extracurricular interests in terms of Egyptology being one of them, hence the beautiful background, um, traveling overall, uh, everything that you've done as an entrepreneur with prohibition pairings. So just a short list, and then we'll just slowly but surely dig into each thing. Sure. So I, when I started, I, I feel like I've always just wanted to be educated. That comes from um, my mom, your me mom, just always reading. I think I like devoured books as a kid. Um, and that's how I knew that I wanted to keep continuing being educated. Uh, I had not much to do with anything else other than I just wanted to keep learning. And then, of course, my mom instilled in me, you know, as a, as a black woman, education, something they tried to keep from you, um, you're going to go get it because they tried to keep it from you. So that kind of drives me too. I think I don't realize how much that drives me because right now I do not have a PhD. Something in me is like, they should call you Dr. Alexander just just because I want to keep, I want to keep like climbing that mountain, even if it's just because of that thing inside of me that says they tried to keep it from you. So go get all of it. Um, so I started, I left, I graduated from Willowbrook High School and then I went to a county college at the time, even though I got accepted at like other schools. I tried to stay in state mm -hmm. and I encourage people to stay in state, um, save money because yes. it's ridiculously expensive right now and nobody should be stuck, you know, getting those huge giant loans just, just to be out of state, same degree, yes. where you go. Um, so I started off with my associate's degree because that's what you could get back then at a county college. And then um, and then I went to Rowan and I started, I started out with a criminal justice degree. I wanted to do something for youth that were adjudicated, youth that had already been wrapped up in that legal system somehow. Um, and then I changed to special education because I thought, like, why wait till they get wrapped up? Why don't I teach them and wow. try to 
keep them from becoming, you know, having that situation where they're encountering law enforcement because they're young and then they get into the juvenile system and all that. So flipped it a little bit, used my credits in criminal justice, which kind of had a lot of psychology and stuff anyway, um, and flipped it into special ed. So I got my bachelor's from Rowan in special ed. And then I started teaching. That was, uh, I started teaching in 2001. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, September 11th was like my first week of teaching. I was a brand new teacher and that happened. Yeah, that's interesting. It's a whole nother story for a whole nother time. Um, yeah, it was it was something. It was like trial by fire. I keep saying like, if I could teach through this, I could teach through anything. I've edited that thought. You were in so your good. first week of teaching? Yeah, it was my, yeah. So school started like September 3rd and or 5th or something like that. And then September 11th came. I wasn't even like, I didn't even know my way around the building that well. Like it was, it was tough. I had subbed there before. I was a long-term sub. Um, for a little while before. So I kind of knew a little bit, but yeah, it was my first year teaching when September 11th happened. And um, and I was teaching in Bergen County and that's like everyone in that area works in the city. We had hundreds of kids that had parents in the World Trade Center. Like they, they were at work while that was happening. So it was, it was then, trial by fire. Trial right. by fire. And yeah. then just to give that story a little bit more color, I did not know that. So now I'm empathetically connecting with the fact that when that happened, you were a teacher for your first week. So you were handling that type of pressure and, and stress. And I was, you had students with parents that were in those buildings. I taught ESL. I taught ESL so my students didn't speak English and didn't understand what was happening. So I struggled with them to help them put it, like to help give them facts without scaring them. Again, these students are from Japan, Korea, Mexico. They speak no English. That's why they're in my class. And they were very confused and very scared. And yeah, so that. And add to this very colorful mm -hmm. thing, scary mm -hmm. time that I was a newlywed. I had just gotten married the month before. My husband was at work in the world. Like he he stopped exactly. for breakfast every morning at Albon Payne, which is in the basement of the World Trade Center. Um, so at the time, I thought my husband was in the World Trade Center because the, the that was it was like morning when all that was happening, and he's always there. His train line ran under the World Trade Center. That was the train that he was responsible for. I didn't see him till like three o'clock that morning. The next morning, he walked through the door. I remember. Yep, he had to walk out of the city. He had to walk across the bridge to get home. So I, first teaching, first year married. For yeah, it was trial by fire, and I was like, I can handle it all. Then COVID came. <laughs> and I was like, I just remember being, how old was I? I was uh, oh, nine, or, nine or 10. And yeah. I remember that, isn't it funny how hazy it is and how you have to piece the memories together. I just remember one sitting in the big spacious living room. I remember my mom on the phone with every single person in our family. Mm -hmm. I just remember like Uncle Andre. Where's mm -hmm. Uncle Andre? Do we know where he is yet? Do we know where he is yet? Do we know where he is yet? But the phones were all jammed up. Yes. And at the age of nine and ten years old, not being able to to connect with that. And now going through what I'm going through right now, like, whoa. Yes, I knew that we were scared and nervous that day for impactful reasons. I did not right. realize that you were rough. going through all of those feelings. It was rough. It was a rough time. Um but again, being so close to the city, it was hard for my school. So the high school that I taught at, huge, giant um, high school. And the one of the students in the high school, I think she was a junior or a senior that year. I can't mm -hmm. remember. It was the sister of, um, you know, the Let's Roll guy. I'm so sorry. I feel like I shouldn't forget his name. He was the gentleman that took the plane down in PA mm -hmm. and that crashed in PA. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. He he jumped up and told everybody, let's roll. And he attacked the terrorists and caused yes. the plane to go down because it was headed back towards like D.C. or Philly or somewhere. Right. 
to crash into some building. So um, he oh, saved all his lives. But that was her her older brother. Um, so I can remember just like having so many people in that school building uh, that were yeah. affected. Mm -hmm. Todd Morgan Beamer, does that sound familiar? Beamer, that might be, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. But it was, it was, uh, it was very because we were so close to the city. I'm not saying that it didn't impact the rest of the nation. Of course it did, okay. but because we, like, I every day, you know, I'm driving home. You can see the World Trade Centers from like the parking lot in the back of the school because we were up in the mountains a bit. So we right. looked around on the city. Um, so yeah, we were. It was rough. So that was like the beginning of my teaching career, right there. Wow. Then um, I, and I, was it a sign? It's like I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> Right, like, hmm, hmm. Um, so then I, uh, we moved that we lived in North Jersey then because my husband, of course, your uncle works in the city, he works in New York, but we moved south. Um, and I started teaching down here, special ed teacher down here, and then went to go back to school to get my master's degree. So I have my MED in school counseling, and then I have some post credits, um, that are in child counseling, family counseling, marital counseling. Mm -hmm. So it's like post your post master's credits, not enough for a doctorate. I'm like in the middle somewhere. Right, right, right. So mm -hmm. um, that's that's that. But where then, do your, where do your trips to Egypt fit in? I know that you did take college courses in Egyptology as well. I did, and, and just did a lot of them. Like I just wanted, I just felt like we're. I was in a special situation because I'm right here, um, right across the bridge from Philly, and mm -hmm. Philadelphia has one of the greatest institutions for learning Egyptology in the world. U of Penn mm -hmm. is the is the top. I'm talking about people in Egypt that study Egyptology in Egypt at the University of Cairo come right. to U of Penn. Wow. They, they come to U of Penn because U of Penn has some amazing professors and they have um, like their exhibit for Egypt. Um, Egyptology is really hmm. great at U of Penn Museum. If you ever want to go, I'll show you around. Um, yes, I did not know this. Like their, their, their instructors, their professors are, you know, tops in the field. Um, so I used to just I would audit classes just to be like, oh, mm -hmm. I want to take a class with, you know, the, I'm so bad with names, Ava, but the, the when the King Tut exhibit came to Philly years yeah. ago, yes, um, the curator of the King Tut exhibit was teaching mm -hmm. class at U of Penn. So I was like, wow. oh, I'm in that class. Like, so I just yes. like took the classes just to take them. I don't, they didn't go anywhere. I, I don't, there's no, you know, I just took them because yeah. I wanted to learn from them. But most of what I learned about Egyptology, I started reading when I was little and just loved Egypt like I just and I and as a kid I recognized that Egypt was African even though they were telling us it was a Middle Eastern country I was like no I'm pretty sure continent of Africa and my mom my mom taught me that that yes the, the Egyptians were black don't believe anything that you see with Elizabeth Taylor and her her um you know her her white face being Cleopatra although history probably does show that Cleopatra was not she she didn't look like African because that was right. the later part of Egypt when Egypt had been invaded and taken over a million times by by people in the Middle Eastern world. But right. I, I always knew that the beginnings of Egypt, when we talk about who built those pyramids and who mm -hmm. was pioneering all of the sciences, I knew that they were African people. So right. that like spurred me to learn more. So I've studied a lot on my own. I've taken some cultural classes that are run by um, cultural organizations out of Philly. Um, right. And had some really good experiences, and traveled to Egypt with that with a cultural group. And then I took my husband back. So that was in I think I went to Egypt in 2005 with a cultural group. And then I went with um, I took Uncle Andre there in 2000. Wow, I can't remember. Mm -hmm. 2018 was it? I'm not sure. I gotta look. But it was it was it was a little bit ago. Um, we're trying to go back. So I love Egypt. I I feel like. Um, I want to teach it. If I could go back in time and have a degree in something, I would have had a, a degree in Egyptology. What does mm. it mean if you don't 
want to keep chasing it and keep doing it. Like education doesn't do that for me. I'm not saying that I'm not interested in education or that it's not a good field. I just, it doesn't do what I need it to do. I don't want to go back. Like, that's why I don't have my PhD because I don't want to go back to school and take right. a bunch of expensive classes on how to run a better school. Right. No, I don't want to do it. So, so that's why I don't have my PhD because I don't know yeah. what to, to get it in. Other but, more fulfilling things that you'd rather spend your time and energy on? Yeah, yeah, more fulfilling things like like studying Egyptology. Like I would love, um, I do like business. Um, not so much, you know, like that I'd go back to school for it or I want to have like a degree in it or anything like that. Um, but I love business as it as it meets with people. Mm-hmm. Like, or business and people meet. Um, getting that opportunity to like talk to people. I feel like business is a lot of psychology too. And I do love psychology. I do love like how people think, how people learn, how people um, heal, how people, you know, like how your struggles make you. That's like part of psychology. If you have a struggle yeah. and you think of it one way, then you're going to be a, a, this kind of person. But if you have a struggle and you think of it another way, you're going to be a different kind of person. So I, I love like how people think and helping people like feel better. I know my business, I I have a cigar business, a mobile cigar lounge, and and people would think that 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 doesn't really intersect, like that people oh, part, it does. but it surely, surely does, especially with my business. Like we try to educate yep. and, and talk. So, so people, it's important, but I feel like there there's other stuff to it. Like I just feel like I wanna I wanna see the things that I read about. And I want right. to do the things that I've read about, and not because I'm a history buff. A lot of that relates to history, and then that makes me want to be involved in like political stuff too, because like I understand history, so I'm looking at what's going on in our world, and I'm like, hey, if you're a student of history, we've seen this before, but yep. nobody's listening. <laughs> so I'm interested in a lot of things, Ava. Yes, yes, <laughs> multifaceted, a woman of many hats, and she wears all of them, uh, like phenomenally. And I think that's one thing I always saw is I knew as a young girl, I saw the time that you dedicated to college, how long you were there, how hard you worked at it, what the end result was attending your graduation from Wilmington University. And I also knew you personally and saw that you loved Egyptology, Egyptology but that's not what she studied. And, you know, that you were such a fun daughter and aunt and sister, you know, but you still separated that time to focus and be dedicated to your degree. You've just you've always reached into these many different pots and good things have come out of each one of them, um, which is another reason why I'm excited for this interview because we're gonna get into exactly what you're built with, exactly what you're, how you're wired. Um, and you said many keywords just now that I'm really excited. The keywords. <laughs> mentioned Jackie Creamer multiple times. Yeah, I don't think I can talk about anything without mentioning. Oh yeah, without <laughs> we're gonna get into it. Uh, but the other keywords that still connect to your parents struggle. Um, the things that you've said about what me mom imparted. Cool. That woman. <laughs> that woman. That woman is everything but black. <laughs> okay. And yet you were sure to explain. My mother told me that because they weren't going to give it to me, I am to go get it. Tell me about that experience, about how you think that me mom was wired. She was. Uh, she's wired to understand this. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, she, so it's funny too, when you think back at like where she grew up and stuff. So my mom, your me mom was from um, Pennsylvania out there, like Pennsylvania Dutch 
our nan was from Walmart's. I can't even say it, Walmersdorf. Walmersdorf, um, yes. It, yeah, I know she was born in that town. But like, you don't think about being uh, educated about black rights and and social issues when you come from there. So um, Walmersdorf, Pennsylvania. Walmersdorf, Pennsylvania, which we found out that there's a street in there. Mikey, um, your uncle Mikey went to visit um, Deppin Lane. Mm-hmm. Nan's maiden name was Deppin. That's her family name. And her grand her grandfather founded Wilmersdorf. I can't say it. I don't know why. The German in me just isn't coming through. Um, founded that town. He he was wow. the founder of that town. Uh, mm-hmm. Black and Deppin. So that's that's our roots. So you don't really think of, like I said, black social issues. We think of that part of the world. And um, but that's where mom came out of, and she tells stories about living in Allentown. Um and well, she, no, she was in Lancaster, living in Lancaster, growing up in Lancaster. And her best friend was a little black girl, best friend. Like this was her best friend. And she lived on the black side of town and Lancaster was on the other side of the railroad tracks. Cause that's a real thing. When you hear people yeah. say they came from the wrong side of the tracks, that's the historical reference. It's true. It's the black side of the tracks. So um, she would go over there and visit her friend and she's getting trouble, like get a beaten like every day. Cause she would refuse to not go play with her friend. And she suffered butt beatings every day from her grandmom right. because she was going over there. So I feel like, I don't know, like that don't come from nowhere. Just, and like, that goes back to what we were saying. What are these genetics? Why? Why? Are these genetics? No matter what you're wired. I think you're wired to be who you are, even when you're little, if you pay attention, like I think you're trying to tell people who you are and who you're going to be. But sometimes things get in there and, you know, can divert that. But so that's me, mom, getting beaten to go hang out on the black side of town. Then uh, they came to Philly. And, um, and then I feel like that, that's different. You know what I mean? Like she was, she was growing up in, um, in Philly and Nan worked at the hospital and all that stuff. So I think her world expanded there. But as, um, as a kid, like I, my mom, she would tell me all the time, like we weren't mixed. We didn't walk around talking about how we were mixed and confused because we don't fit into the white part of the world, but we don't fit into the black part either. We didn't have that, but none of that Holly Berry stuff. Cause that's what's wrong with her. We didn't have that. Right. My mom was like, you're black. When you go into a store, they're going to see a little black girl or a little black boy. So you're black. So let's let's prep for this. You're going to get as much education as you can. You're going to learn to be educated and be smart. And you're going to learn all the stuff that they're going to throw at you. So you know how to dodge it and react right. differently. Like this, this is how it is. And I, I remember real conversations about mm-hmm. stuff like that, right. that you know, they're going to, they're going to, they're going to try to keep you from things, um, you know, and it's your your job is to find an, a way around and to do it without, you know, like she she just I don't know, like she just understood it. Being married to a black man, she's watching everything happen to my dad and having to maneuver to make sure we got it, even though it was happening. So my dad was clearly, you know, they were, you know, their lives were in danger because of my dad being black. And, um, you know, I, there are many, many stories about stuff like that. Your mom probably can remember a lot of it. Um, whereas I wasn't born yet, like early seventies, mm-hmm. but she had to navigate like danger to make sure her family was okay. So literally she, like literal danger, life threatening, mm-hmm. and then just navigate and try to keep us in good schools. You know, like the world wanted to make sure, you know, um, a family like ours stayed in Camden. The world wants to make sure that you stay in the hood, in the ghetto with the schools that, you know, are poorly funded. But my mom was like, yeah, no. So she kept us in good neighborhoods. Like I always had a front front yard and a backyard. And, and you know, she she struggled to do that. Like the lies that she had to tell the way that, you know, she would my dad wouldn't, you know, be there when we signed the lease. There's a reason because if he was there when we signed the lease, we wouldn't be living in this house in Cherry Hill. So right. she she struggled to 
to make sure we were in the right places. Um, not, that they're right, not that they're right because they're right, but just right, right because we, we, she wanted us to get the education and to be safe and to be able to go outside and, and not worry about things. And so, yeah, mm -hmm. like she, she taught us that, that you're going to have to learn to navigate this. And what I'm piecing together for the first time is that she did these things without telling you. Act white, look white, be white, quick, 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 act white, quick, quick, straighten your oh, hair, quick, quick, quick. quick. Oh, no, 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 we didn't do that. And I didn't, I, I had never put that together before. Yeah, but we didn't. did share, this is what the struggle is, but she never said, this is how you can avoid the struggle by pretending like you are not half of this thing. Yeah, know? yeah, like, oh no, we wasn't passing for nothing. And she never, I can remember watching movies with her. My mom's favorite movie, one of her favorite movies was, um, was that movie, oh my gosh, what's it called? I'm so bad with names and titles. <laughs> um, but it's a classic movie, black and white, and it's about, mm -hmm. the name is on the tip of my tongue. It'll come to me. Um, the, the woman in the movie is biracial and her mom, who she adores and loves, she goes off to like live this fabulous Hollywood life telling people that she's white, she passed. So she was passing successfully in the, I guess this was the sixties. Um, she's passing, maybe the fifties. She's passing successfully, her life is great, right? But her black mama is back home and she loves her and misses her and all right. that stuff. Um, so I remember as a kid, that was one of my mom's favorite movies. And I, I that, that's, and like her crying when you're watching, cause you cry, oh, you cry. Right. Yeah. <laughs> her saying like, that's wrong. Like she deserves to cry, okay. feel for her, but she she was wrong. You don't turn your back on the best part of yourself. Her mom, her black mother was the best part of herself. So mm. my mom, my mom, like, I guess that's like, she, she knew that being black was one of the best parts of ourselves. Like that mm. was, that was the best part of us. And she made sure we knew it, even though like, I, I didn't realize I was light skinned when I was a kid. <laughs> I didn't know, like I didn't think about that. And I was just like, yeah, we're black. Like if we just, it was so in us that I never realized that people would think that I wasn't. Um, sometimes I'm, Lynette and I, my sister Lynette and I, we, we talk about this all the time that we'll look in the mirror and we'll be like, oh, how do we get light skin? How did that happen? Because in our brain, we're not. Like we're walking out here, I'm thinking I'm just as brown as every other black person I know. Like we right. don't, it doesn't, it doesn't dawn on us. And I think that my mom walked around thinking she was brown too. She would look in the mirror and go, I'm like, right, I'm white. <laughs> done it <laughs> forgot walking around here I forget so we it never like really dawned on us this whole mixed idea like I I didn't really start having ideas about that until people started giving me those ideas like yes, in school yes. when people stuff about my hair and I'll be like well I like your hair and they'd be yes. like no you got that good hair and I was like mom what's good hair I don't good hair hair. she never told me what my sister Lynette and I laugh all the time because I'm pretty sure I don't know if she did this with your mom because mm -hmm. maybe like Lynette and I are 15 months apart. So we were like in certain things together. And mm -hmm. I think these are the things that happen when you're together. Um, if my mom caught us primping, that's what she called it, primping in the mirror, meaning just kind of checking yourself out, right? My right. mom would be like, get your ugly asses out that mirror. Like you ain't, get, get, stop what you're checking your ugly, go. Because she didn't want us being vain about our hair, right. or like she did not want us to be vain. I so love that. like, you checking your ugly? It's there. Go by, and we'd be like, Dad, Mom. But she, no primping. You put your makeup on and you do your hair, and then you walk away. But they you're done. You're not. You're not obsessing over it. You're not constantly anxious and worried about it. Get your ugly ass to school. She would say. <laughs> Stills such a beautiful understanding. Oh, yeah. oh of I that. say 
all the time. I say all the time that I'm I'm, I'm glad she said that. I don't want to get in there and get all hung up on the fact that like I don't want to look at myself that closely that I start to think that that's where my value comes from or that I look better than somebody else. She'd be like, right. it's ugly behind, right out of that mirror. You weren't allowed to print. Amen. Oh my God. That's what I meant. Like she called you ugly. Yes, she did. Yes, she did. And you didn't, you didn't take it and believe that you were ugly. That's no. Not, that's not what into that statement. It's just like, because she, I think my mom just did not want to raise girls because she knew that the world was going to tell us that we were pretty just because we had light skin, that the world was going to tell us that we were pretty just because we had curly hair in a, in a black world. That's what was happening. Mm-hmm. That like, we were, like elevated or some, or we, she didn't want us to think that we were better than mm-hmm. someone whose hair doesn't look like this or whatever. Right. And we, and to this day, we don't. Exactly. We, what? Do you know how much time I spend in the sun in the summer just to try to get some brown? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like we want brown and I don't, I don't think that this is the most beautiful hair on the planet. Exactly. The most beautiful hair on the planet is on the head of African people with more African roots than I got. Mm-hmm. So I, I like my hair. I think it's great because it's mine. But right. the, the good stuff, the beautiful stuff is that original stuff. And we were taught that. Exactly. Oh, yeah. Don't go primping over your 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 hair, ladies. That's what <laughs> me mom was a mess. Checking for your ugly. It's there. Don't worry. Goodbye. <laughs> so oh, that's priceless. <laughs> it's a good so, lesson. Yes, yes. So we spoke a little bit about the struggles, the the hardships that she had to go through just to make sure that your family was in the position that it was in as you were growing up. But then where does Pop Pop Cream of Wheat? Cream of Wheat. Just wondering the type of strength that he and his family also had. Some of the things that were happening in Salem, New Jersey, you know, as he was growing up and and becoming a young adult and all of that. Um, There's a lot of history there. There's a lot of strength there. I feel like they don't make, and I, I still say this, and my husband, I believe, is a very strong black man, and I adore him in his yes. in his strength, and it's a silent strength, but it's there. I know it's there. Um, my brothers, like, they have a strength that that is, it's, like, uncommon. I do. I do believe that my brothers have a strength, even though they're younger. They have a strength that's uncommon in, in the rest of the world, I think, and I think it comes from these creamer men, that were like ridiculously strong. Like there's stuff that I I can't imagine. And they not only went through it, but like overcame it and yeah. then passed it on to a generation that, 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 that didn't even need it. Like, like back in their time, I'm talking like 30s and 40s, right? When black men were being beat down on every angle and you couldn't even have a family and there was just so much happening, right? Um, and you can take it even further back when black men weren't even allowed to, to defend their women and defend their children, right? In slavery, you'd be killed or hung or whatever. So there's such a strength that comes out of being um, a black male in history, in time. Mm -hmm. But I look at like what my grandpa and even my dad and his brothers went through and my great grandpa coming out of like Florida and stuff. I just feel like they went through so much that if that happened today, these people that we are calling men would would fold. Like they, I, I just, there's something in our ancestors, our fathers, our grandfathers and our great grandfathers and all the people in between those great uncles and stuff like that. There's mm-hmm. something that they have. It is a, I think a um, God-given ancestrally given yeah. strength that the ancestors moved in them because there's things that people, like I said, my own father, my my grandmother, my grandfather on my dad's side, that these people, we would fold like this generation would just collapse mm-hmm. under that that extreme mm-hmm. pressure. Um, 
So I, I just, strong's not the word. I mean, physically strong. Like there are stories that like my dad and my uncles could lift like a ton and yeah. like there was a stone block and it weighed a ton and grandpa came and was like, move and like lifted it up by himself or crazy stuff like that. My grandpa used to tell a story that like, he ran from a bullet in World War II. Um, <laughs> he, he like ran and dodged the bullet, but he did do great things. Like I let him like, I can remember that story and we would all laugh at him like, whatever grandpa, you crazy. But he was a black man in World War II. And he drove those big deuce and a half trucks. They're big, right. giant, two and a half ton trucks that move. Um, either the trucks were used to move people, or they were like moving supplies. Um, and the, they called it the Red Ball Express. And it was all African American soldiers at the time. My grandpa was one of them. He moved those big trucks filled with important equipment, behind, mm -hmm. sometimes behind enemy lines. And he used to tell a story about how when they were behind enemy lines, and in World War II, we're meaning like he's like behind the lines, they're they're like doing these big pushes, these big battles would happen on these battlefronts and they're on the enemy side trying to get supplies in. And they said it would be so scary and so life-threatening that these big convoys of these giant trucks, which probably make a lot of noise, um, they would be creeping through the woods. And the only way that you could see would be the truck in front of you would have a candle. There'd be some poor black guy in the back of the truck holding the candle. That was his job. Don't let that candle go out because if it goes out, the truck behind you is going to get lost. So if they, that's how they drove through the night to deliver supplies. And that's 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 serious. Like they kept the line supplied. And so he's part of that. And so coming out of the war, just knowing that, you know, that he did some incredible things, grandpa, just, just by being in the war. But then to just have to come home and fight to keep your family where it is. And um, it's just, like I said, we come from straight, great, greatness. Like I, it doesn't matter who you are, what you did. Uh, my grandpa, they were uh, truck drivers and movers. There was a creamer moving business for a while. Like, okay, that to me, that that's great. I love, you know, that my family has a history of owning businesses, but their greatness came from just that they are existing and that they were surviving mm -hmm. and forward. That the, the times that they lived in, we, they need an ancestral strength. And I believe in that, that the ancestors move through all of us still. And they definitely were moving through our, through our grandparents and parents. I believe that as well. Mm -hmm. I got like four things I want to say next. I can't choose which one. <laughs> um, ancestors. My ancestors. Your mom had started to do some like ancestry stuff. I just got to go swab my cheek at this point. We got to go and look at that because I, the problem with like, we, my mom told me we were Choctaw on her side, but unfortunately, my mom didn't know a lot either. My mom didn't have contact with that side of her family. That would be her dad's side of the family. My mom didn't. She she lost contact with her dad when she was only, I think there's a picture of her standing with her dad and she's like three or four. And that was it. Like she, she lost Carl, contact this, with him. This is the family that gave her and Uncle Eddie up. Correct me if I'm wrong. So the, so dad, mom's dad, me mom's dad, um yes is is um that's uncle eddie's dad too so he when he he disappeared like literally disappeared um he robbed a train he's a train robber and there was a bunch of money like back then millions of dollars were taken from a train and he disappeared that's that's what happened so he disappeared because he had to disappear because he was a train robber um so there, it's not like there's any connection. He straight up disappeared. We don't know if he later went to jail. I don't know. Who, what, when, I never looked. I never tried to see if like her dad ever appeared in like 
prison registry or anything like that. Um, but she thinks that that yeah, like he maybe got away and escaped and had to change his name and everything or whatever happened when you rob rob a train. So um, yeah, that would be Uncle Eddie and Mom's dad. He's out of the picture. Nan's alone with the two kids, and I don't think there's any connection to his family. Like Nan, I think he and Nan. I'm trying to think if that's the wedding. If that's who she married in Destin, because oh. me, mom, Nan got married. She remarried. That's where Bachman, the name Bachman comes in. But where? I don't know. So there's a lot we don't know because he he literally disappeared. His side of the family, my my mom, your me mom has no idea about. Um, except she says she told me she remembers that his mom, her her dad's mom, was on lived on a reservation somewhere. Um, and I was like, where, mom? And she was like, somewhere down like south. I want to say she said like Oklahoma or something. I was little and um and not smart enough to write this crap down. I wish I wish I could go backwards and just Isn't write it terrible. Oh, Let me get a bit out right now. I hate it. I hate that we didn't write things down. Um, so she said she knows that she lived on a reservation and mom thought they were Choctaw, but then I'm like, you know how you can mix up words, especially names of nations that you don't understand. Yeah. So Choctaw mm -hmm. and Chickasaw. Like they're both kind of down right. there together. And I'm like, right. oh, you know, um, and me, me mom did talk like that too. <laughs> I just thought of like Jackie math, Jackie yeah. words. One of them, Choctaw, Choctaw. Choctaw. Yes, I can yeah. hear her. Oh my gosh, that's funny. Um, but she said she remembers a reservation and she remembers a trailer that she lived in a trailer and that like at some point she visited her, like her dad took her to see her, her grandmother on his side. So faint memories couldn't, put much together. Um, but yeah, the, the problem is too that I don't think we accurately can use DNA to um, pinpoint what native tribe we are, um, what native nation we're from, especially because in that area, there was so much mixing like with black people. And so I feel like you swab your cheek and then it tells you that you're African-American, you know, that you're from somewhere in Africa. But it, I don't think we've developed the technology to help with the with Native American DNA, because first of all, it's old DNA. That's old DNA. Like it's, I, I don't know how to do that. So I wish we could find out, but I think the secret is in records, like to check names and records. Um, but yeah, that's, I know that our roots are native. And and part of me, I'm not saying that I don't wanna know, like on dad's side, we're Seminole, cause we're out of Pensacola, Florida. Um, so I feel like there are very specific things that you do wanna know. You wanna know where they're like, where their burial grounds are. So you can go stand with your people. Like I know I would like to know so I can go do that. Put my feet where, where they are. Um, Pensacola feels like that to me. When mm. I go to Pensacola, I feel like my feet are where, where they are. Um, and we do have native grounds um, that are like, you can go, they're on the, the base down there. So, right. but on, on our mom's side, like, yeah, I don't know. I don't really and know. Said that's on pop pop side. That yeah. The Seminoles on, on my dad's side. So the black side of our family. Mm -hmm. um, have their roots in Florida and the people in Florida, original people in Florida in that part of the panhandle were Seminole mm -hmm. and they were the ones that didn't give up their land, that the Seminoles were the ones that fought. They, they fought the American government for a very long time um, to stay to stay Seminole nation um, and to keep their land. And they also, uh, Seminoles were the ones that protected, not that they're the only ones, a lot of the nations in the South um, mm -hmm. protected black people when black people, Crowfoot did, um, Ch Choctaw did, 
Um, I know the Chickasaws are down there. They did the same thing. They Blackfoot, Blackfoot Indians protected um, runaway slaves. So if runaway slaves came into Florida, the Seminole would protect them. You couldn't come. I don't care that you are a slave catcher. Turn around and we're going to fill you with something you don't want to be filled with, a bunch of arrows and whatever else we got. So they protected African-Americans. And that's why um, even now, like so many African-American people trace themselves to Seminole roots down there in Florida. So bringing it, bringing it all together, speaking about the strength, the things that we come from, the things that are genetic that we may not even realize. It's in there though. It's in there. Talking about your father's side of the family and then going back even further. That's where they come from. That's funny because you mentioned the war and with the war stories, I'm like, whoa. And now we're going all the way back. Oh, yeah, absolutely. There's a lot. The strength is it like roots, roots. The roots are deep. We don't even know where they're connecting to, but they know where they're connecting to in us. Right. 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 We don't know. I don't know where how deep those roots go, but those it goes the other way. Those roots know where we are. And we just gotta listen and find it and mm. for them to guide us through through those roots. They they know where we are. We might not see their end because it's too deep and the world mm. has made it hard for, for us to understand all of that. Um, but they know where we are. I know my ancestors in Africa from Africa know where I am. They know. They're they're connected. They got me. I may not have them because I can't can't get there. I can't see it because I was stolen from the continent and I and you erased all my history, but I know they see me and I know that they're touching me through through my roots. So every day they're there. I'm glad they are. Butterflies in my stomach. <laughs> it's, I, I get butterflies when I think about it too. I know that they're there, and I I'd like I know that they're there. It's 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 more than just like I believe it. Like I it's it's real to me, like 100. And it's real to anybody, whether they believe it or not. Your ancestors. Right, right, right. Okay, so you don't believe it. Very cool, but I still love you. Protecting you, whether you like it or not. They got you. That was very powerful in in wanting to learn more about this just over the last several months. Yeah, we do gotta we'll we'll, we'll dive into that. We gotta yeah. get we gotta get in there. Thinking about and again, this will all correlate. Thinking about um, Papa John, it was just within the last few months that you know a few a few moon phases and meditation time that I, I gave myself. One time, without thinking about it, I was like, let me think about all of my generational blessings. Everybody always talks about generational generational curses. Right. And right. Yeah. And what I wanted to really think and pray on were the things that I know each of my grandparents and my ancestors gave me that are blessings that I'll continue on. This is this is thinking I've never really done before. It really did just come yeah, out. I, of so what you just said impacts me deeply because I've always been worried about uh, how my energy is being sent, you know, or or. Like, can you hear from me? Can you show me a sign, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And the fact that you just gave it a certain level of like depth and you you grounded the concept of, oh no, they're literally doing what they're existing to do. Like, this is why our ancestors are who they are. This is why they are protecting us and, and reaching into us and helping us and guiding us. That's exact. There's nothing else for them to do now. They can't get on That's the computer and hours reading. They can't sit down and watch movies. They can't go, you know, shopping at the mall for five hours. Grandma, shout out, Grandma. Um, <laughs> you know, they are in this. Don't you? They are in that place now, in this form, doing what they do, so that they can just do this. This is why they live their lives through to the point that they're. And I think I. Um, I had a loss for words because at the surface I was just thinking about my grandparents and great grandparents. I did think of Nan and Papa John and Nana Chris. 
mm-hmm. knowing how those spirits impact me. Yep. And they're, and they're still working for you. They're still so when you think about the roots running deep, like I'm a visual no. thinker. I'm like, you don't know. There's a face. There's a face of some woman or some man that you don't even know that that is yeah. somewhere that you've never been. That is like, do this, honey. <laughs> hey, you. <laughs> you feel a little tug telling you something's right or something's wrong or something is good or something. Yeah. Like all those things. Um, yeah, I think that's and they're not they're not just the ancestors that you know and remember and love. They're not just that, but they, right. they're there too. I know that they are. They're the closest ones to you, right. but they're the ones that are back there. I think are more powerful too. Right. And that's I, another thing. As, as I was envisioning that, it's like the people that we just lost more recently. It's kind of like, all right, they're 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 about 10 feet in the in the little vision yeah. that I have, about 10 mm-hmm. feet. And then going all the way back to the beginning of time, I love what you said, the people that were erased from our history. Right. Not knowing know. who they are and how we're connected to them. They yeah. were literally erased. They're about 3,400, you know, what I mean, like they're back there. They're all the way down there. But look, those are the big roots. If you think about a tree, the biggest roots are way yeah, down under, way down under. The young, the the newer parts are up top. The easy parts to get to, you just have to dig through a little dirt to see the top roots. But them roots, that's way, way deep. Those are the ones. Those are the ones that I, those are the big roots, the strong roots, yeah. the ones that houses. You ever see like tree roots that come up and will rip up like your back patio? Houses, right, right, right. Street. Them roots will tear up a street. Them wow. big, big roots will tear up a street. Those are the ones that we don't know because we we don't know them. Like I said, but they know us, and they're they're moving mountains. They're moving mountains, and we don't even realize it, but they're moving mountains for us. And I know that. I know that for a fact. That's powerful. As factual as it can be in a belief. That's where, right, that's right. pretty much all I got down is fact. A lot of this other stuff, I'm not sure about. <laughs> right, right. These are the facts. Yeah. Some things, <laughs> Period. About, some things I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But that that to me is as factual as a belief can get in my heart that mm-hmm. our ancestors move still yeah for us so that's a good thing it's a good feeling when you feel alone when you right. feel alone don't because you got you got you have so much like we all have so much you took you took a lot of um just like questions questions and places where i feel like i had blanks that needed to be filled mm-hmm. in and just by explaining you know how deep a root goes how strong a root deep is root and the fact that they are there for us specifically that that takes ways that I've been like kind of shaken up and displaced and really just centers centers my thoughts on that. Thank you. When I when I retire from from being a school counselor and have my own counseling kind of like I just want to be a private counselor to people. I can do marriage counseling, family counseling yeah. that I want to do that. I want to do I'm thinking of like calling it like root therapy, like just kind of looking back. And and taking you just had a beta a beta root therapy session right now, and I'm just like yeah because I think a lot of people like so much of religion, and I'm not saying you can you can do my root therapy and think about this no matter if you're Christian or Muslim or it doesn't matter. I you be Jewish, I don't care. Like this is personal. This is between you and those people that came before you that have their hands on your shoulders, um, holding you up. So I I thought about that, like that. I really did want to like just make that Mm. how I help people, um, because I think. Part of what's wrong is that we don't we don't know where we stand and we don't know what we're doing. We're lost, and it's like yeah, and you don't feel connected even in you know these times when everybody seems to be connected. You don't feel connected. Well, COVID's different, but I mean just in general when we have access to each other, right? Right. But you still don't feel connected, and I think that's what it is because we're looking in the wrong place. Like you connect to connect to what's always there. Like always, your roots are always there. Wherever you go, there they are. So I don't know. That's what I was thinking. Like. Well, we'll get to that when I retire and have time. 
I'm very excited for that. I have to retire from my Count life. Me <laughs> Count me in. I'm there every step of the way. You have my unconditional love and support when this journey is embarked upon. <laughs> I was like, Ava seen Ron as a client. <laughs> yes, yes. I'm her first client. I'm here to give you my testimony. Yeah, I'm like, thanks, Ava. That will help very much. But yeah, so we, be it all there's always something to do, Ava. There's always something to do. I tell you, like, it just, we're, I think we we have to follow our interests. Yes. Sometimes. We really do. Yeah. Follow our interests and, and follow where our heart tells us to go. And life's not supposed to be this hard either, I, I think. Hmm. Chasing the dollar and all that stuff. It's hard. Right. It's hard for us uh, creative people. Chasing the dollar never feels quite right. <laughs> mm-hmm. And when you're doing that thing that fulfills you, it doesn't feel like chasing anymore. And the dollar is just like, hey, hey, here I am. Don't worry. You didn't have to run me down. Right. You're doing something that, that works. So yes. here, here it comes. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's just hard. And this is, I know for myself, like I said, if I can go back and do things a little differently, um, I would. I mean, not necessarily just to go back and get my degree in Egyptology. That would be A, way more expensive than the degrees that I have now. And I probably wouldn't be employed. <laughs> like I, I, it would be really hard to find a job if I had a degree as an Egyptologist, I'd probably, you know, struggle, but I struggle now. Right. So what struggle would you rather do? The one where you're studying and walking in what truly fulfills you? Yeah. Or the one where <laughs> you're stressed? <laughs> and because I feel like we're gonna be stressed. Life is stress. we're gonna yeah. be stressed. We're going to be working hard. There's not going to be a day that we're, we're not mm-hmm. working hard, uh, no matter what. So I'm working hard as a school counselor. I'm working hard to try to, you know, expand my cigar business. I'm working hard. I'm, I don't have a day off. So why didn't I do that and still be an Egyptologist? Because I didn't know. I didn't know that I would like I would be working as hard as I am taking the path that I took. I, I like I don't know. I think we just have to stop worrying about what the path is going to look like and just get on it and be happy that you're on that path. And one meant for you, so things might go better than you think. Yeah, and mm-hmm. and I also believe this too, because this goes in, it spills into love too. I don't think that there is just one path. I don't believe that. Like I don't believe that there's just one love for you either. I think that there's lots of paths like that will lead you to where you're supposed to go. Um, it's just that like you have to recognize them and make sure you're not on the path that you're not supposed to be on. Like it, because there are multiple paths, you mm. could be like, oh, this, this feels right. But then it's going to come up here and it's going to turn and you didn't realize it was going to turn because nobody can predict the future, but you're still, you're still going to get to where you are supposed to be. So I think there's lots of paths that'll get you to where you're supposed to be. There are also lots of paths that will take you away from where you're supposed to be. Wow, right, and right. I think it goes for people too. So like the, the person that you're supposed to marry, the man or the woman that you're supposed to marry, there's, there's, there are a few of them. I think they're they're out there, and the path to them could be you know varied and different. But the end result is that that person is the person for you. But there's also people that are not for you, and you can get on that path and and be with a person that is that you're not meant to be with. But I, I just I don't believe in like that singularity thing. I think life is too too varied to say that there's only one person that you're oh, meant to be with. Intricate. There's yes, yeah, too it's too interesting. Too many and choice choice comes into it too. Like you. You can you can be with the person that you're meant to be with, and there could be a hundred other people that you're meant to be with. But as long as you're choosing one of the ones that you're meant to be with, you're good. <laughs> you're good. You're on that path, yeah. The path, the path is is multiple. The people are multiple, but the end is is the same. The end right. should be what it is: you being happy, you growing, and you one day becoming an ancestor, so you can lead your people right. too. Like that. That's part of it, I think. 
right. with that same wisdom, the wisdom that you can only acquire because you took the right paths. Yeah. And, and okay. yeah, paths are interesting. And there's many of them. Just get on one and keep moving. Yeah. <laughs> and just keep moving. And keep looking. But you just got to keep looking because the path will steer and you got to know that, that that might be the turn that you need to make. Like, oh, that's a turn. Is that going where I need to go? Maybe. Take the turn. You can turn. And that comes with discernment and strength to know whether or not you're supposed to take that turn. And that's all the internal work that people should be making sure that they are doing. Do you hear all of this wisdom and insight and inspiration? If she had more time to walk on this path. I might be a shaman. (laughs) I'll become a shaman. I'll be like, look at that. I had all this time. I'm a shaman now. I was about to say, you know, she's running for president. She just let right. her run for president, please, because we'd all be okay if she did. <laughs> I'd rather be a shaman. Andrew says that all the time. He'll be like, "Why don't you just run for office?" Because I, I'm, I all the time. I'm like, I don't know what these people are thinking. Um, right. I'm always like, we, we, we need a revolution, and I'm like, the revolution has to start one day. We got to get there. Yeah, this is not working. So he, right. we, we talk politics a lot, and he always says that. He's like, "You should run for office," and I'm like, "Yeah, no." <laughs> I'm not into like that having to please everybody. Yes. Like if you're a successful politician, you have to make yeah. everybody happy. And I can't, I can't, can't do that. that. Yeah, I'm not good at that. Um, that's a special type of stress right there too, being worried about what you're doing that's affecting how everybody feels all the time. Right. Yeah, no. And then and then you you're doing something that you know is so right for whatever. And then you'll have this person saying it's wrong for this reason, simply because they don't agree with you. Like it's right. now you're wrong. And I'm like, no, I'm not wrong. You just don't like it, but I'm not wrong. Like feed people. How about that? Let's just feed everybody. I don't care what your job is. Don't don't me started. Food. We're going to give you food. So you don't have to worry about it. food's going to be cheap. Food should not cost anything. Healthy food shouldn't cost anything. So let's do that. Now that sounds like a good idea, right? Healthcare. Everybody needs healthcare. Just give it to everybody. We'll figure it out. Just give it to them. But look, yep. all the arguments that come from just trying to take care of people. I'm like, no, nah, I can't be in politics. Cause I'll be like, y'all are evil. Terrible. Exactly. I was just thinking the word disgusting came to mind. Yeah. And I can't. I'm I'm like, I can't help disgusting evil people. I'm trying to help everybody, including your disgusting evil ass. I'm trying to help. Right, 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 right. But you don't want it. So you're going to latch out against me and call me names. And yeah, nope. Try to assassinate me. You know, I'm good. I'm going to stay over here. I'll be a shaman. I'll be a shaman. But yeah, I think it's a, there's a lot to be, to be worked on. And I think. I think as an individual, just talking to individuals can do more than maybe being a politician. It's like you're so dealing with the masses, but if I can help one person today, how do I know exponentially that that person isn't going to change the world eventually because he felt better so about himself true. and found the roots? So true. Works for me. Yes. And that's, uh, I mean, this podcast is small fries, but yes, that's oh. all up and down and through the mission statement. Yes. Yes. Doing these, having these conversations. And yes. that was a wonderful segue. I was thinking about you this morning, thinking about different things that, you know, I might want to bring up, thinking about, you know, the different things that we could talk about and wanting to tie it in with um, what this podcast stands for, what these conversations stand for. This podcast is here because of Papa John's influence on me as a young woman and everything that he's ever told me, everything, the root, they're reaching out. Yes. And, uh, everything he's ever told me and the ways that he impacted me, the ways that he showed myself to myself, the way he reflected mm-hmm. me. Right. And that reflection allowed me to grow confidently, not, not question who I am. Um, that confidence inspired me to continue to learn about myself and the life around me and how it's impacting me. I can go mm-hmm. on and on and on. 
And what I would love to hear from you is what types of connections you have had like that. What, what relationships you had growing up, whether they were, you know, as a young girl or even maybe just recently, the things that have really spoken to your spirit and inspired you to truly walk confidently in exactly who you are. So, and I, I do, I feel like we all have moments where even once we get to where we say we're confident and we are who we are, we all have moments still. I mean, I, and I feel like it's it's so hard because I think I'm I think I've everybody that I meet everybody that's in my life whether you're in my life um, positively or like however people always want to put you know like that's a good thing or a bad thing like I don't really look at stuff like that sometimes it's just it is what it is um, I feel like people like my dad I think my dad which people could say have effect he's had negative effects on my life I will say yes he has he's had negative effects on my life those negative effects made me confident in who I am now. Like if I didn't have a dad that made the mistakes that he did and did the things that he did and hurt, hurt me, hurt my family, I wouldn't be who I am. And I don't want to be anybody else. I don't want to be different right now. I like where I'm at his, his mistake. Now do, do I, um, like there's there's definitely a distance between my dad and my dad no longer here anymore. But there's a distance between us still. But um, I if he didn't, if he wasn't the person that he was, did I like the person that he was? Nope. <laughs> right. Nope. Not at all. If he wasn't the person that he was, I wouldn't be here. My siblings wouldn't be here and they wouldn't be who they are. And I like how they are, too. Um, do we have do we have problems? Yes. Were some of them caused by him? Yep. I got stuff going on in my life. Your mom got stuff going on. Your uncles, we all, your aunt, we all have things that relate back to our relationship to him. Right. But I wouldn't change it because yeah. I, I love who your mother is and I love who my brothers are like with their with their issues and with their struggles. I, I, I love them the way they are. So I wouldn't change who they are. So my dad, even though we had what some people call negative relationship, um, I, I, like I said, did not like him as a person, as a human mm-hmm. being, but nope kind of kind of needed him to be where I'm at. So that's that's a connection that it's an odd one maybe. But then like just my mother, I am my mother. I always knew I was my mother. I mean, I can remember being like seven, eight years old, like that's me. <laughs> like I know, I think just like that woman, everything she did, I'll be like, yep, that'll be me one day. Like I just had that frame of mind. I was a weird kid. I, and I then just, fast forwarding, have all of those things proven to be true? I can't even... Sometimes I'm like, where does this woman start? And okay, I'm like, all right, Jackie, got you. <laughs> I'm like, jacking over here. That is a verb. It has become a verb, jackying. Um, your mom was jackying. <laughs> your aunt was jackying. So uh, good or bad, good or bad, jackying. So yeah, like I, I don't even, yeah, I can't, I can't even figure out where she ends and where I start. And mm. I think that might help me um, as much as it devastated me to lose my mom. And when I say devastated, like I, I can't even find the words to explain it. Um, I think that's why I'm okay. Cause I really do like, I can't figure out where she ends and I start. So that means she's not really gone. Cause if I can't figure out what, uh, what part of me is me and what part of her, then dang, like she, she didn't go nowhere. <laughs> she's right Literally. here every single, single day, every moment. I can think about her a thousand times an hour, <laughs> but right. I don't, but I, I think I'm, it helps me. It helps me because I know 
that that she is me. Like I really, really believe that 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 woman. Um, and I think your mom has that with Nan too. Like mm-hmm. Nan, and I see so much of my Nan in your mom. And my Nan was my lady too. Like I, it was my mother and my Nan. They were my world. And then Michelle, your mom, because mm-hmm. I remember as a little girl, your mom was. That's a lot of beautiful, powerful, smart women right there. Like I'm okay in my worst state. You got all three of them together you nan and nan and your mom like i i like if, if there's anybody on but right behind your mom pushing her or helping her or protecting her whoever's right like if somebody was whispering in that shaman's ear about her it would be nan nan is like I, it's just all over your mom um but yeah nan was uh really important as a kid for me because i didn't have anybody else it was my mom we didn't have babysitters and like my my aunt net and like all my the uncles and aunts on my dad's side were there and my grandma on my dad's side was there. I have memories of my uh, grandma, Adela, who I look like um, very much. Um, but I think we we didn't have that connection for me to, to call her. I think about her all the time. She influences my life. She's one of those ancestors that's behind me. I know that. Um, and I, I admire her. I don't I, I was too young to have that personal connection with her. Um, I learned a lot about her through mom and through your mom. Like when they talk about grandma, I feel something kind of like, like I know you have memories of Nan, but the more we talk about Nan, your connection to her gets better um, too. So like, I, I, I feel like definitely Nan, Nan shaped me as far as like a person of the world, you know, yeah. like how you present yourself and how you, how you talk and how you perceive yourself. And um, you know, how do you want others to perceive you? Then you have to be comfortable doing that. And, she was tough. Nan used to walk around and smack me in the stomach if I didn't have my my stomach sucked in all the oh, time. Wow. If you all the time. Smack me in my stomach. And I was like, Nan, I'm not in the Navy. That like that's how they did you in the Navy. You keep your right. correct and your stomach sucked in at all time. I was an adult before I ever stopped my when I I remember I like was like, wait, well, I don't have to hold my stomach in anymore. Nan's not gonna come and smack me. Wow. Now, like, yeah, I wish I kept that up because it keeps your stomach muscles in shape. <laughs> but she's wow. correct my stomach. and she was in the Navy, correct? She was. She's in the I Navy. I just want to make sure everybody's getting this dose of where we come from mm-hmm. and, and who these roots truly are. Yep. Our roots overlap a little bit. So Nan was stationed um, down in Florida, mm-hmm. and um, when she was stationed in Florida in the Navy, that's where I think she was married again, and that's why she was married in Destin. Remember, I told you Pensacola okay. is in that that little. Um, panhandle of Florida and right near Pensacola is Destin and Nan got married in Destin. Um, so like there's, I, I love how like roots can kind of like mix yeah. up different sides of the family. Like they, they, you, they were even trying to get together back Girl, then. All down there right now, like, Hey, on your side, you cool with her doing this? All right. Yeah. Me, all right I, feel like, I feel like the roots even tried to get together back then just cause they had to get together at some point. So, but there's a, uh, so Nan, absolutely. Mom, I already discussed, I can't even separate her from myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and then your mom, as a little girl, knowing that your mom, like your mom was, she went to college early. And I remember knowing that, like my sister, I just thought my sister was the smartest person on the planet, like hands down. Like I would be that kid that would be in school as like a first grader arguing, my sister is way smarter than your sister. Wow, I, I thought, like when, when I thought of brilliant, I thought of my sister, like mm-hmm. Michelle, in my head was mm-hmm. smart. She, and your, your mom is stunningly beautiful. So when you're a little girl and your big sister is as pretty as your mother, you're just like, oh, and and I didn't see her enough because our, our lives, 
she was um by the time I was like old enough to start formulating thoughts about that, she right. was gone. I remember the day that my sister left for college. I do remember right. that. And um I just thought she was so smart and I was like, I have to be smart like her. I wanted mm -hmm. to read what she was reading. I remember one time like there was a textbook that she had, I swear it was like this big. And mm. I and I think it was Probably in the beginning about neuroscience. Yes. So <laughs> I'm not even lying. This is true. I took mm -hmm. one of her textbooks. It was about it was a it was a neuroscience textbook about like the brain and stuff like that. And I remember trying to read it. I'm like in second or third grade and I took it to school for show and tell because it had this really cool there was this really cool part where like they they laid the clear images of the brain on top of each other in the middle of the book. First you saw the skull. Oh, then you that is so you know what I mean? Like they layered it so then you can see the nerves. Then you see like it was all these different things. <laughs> and now, you took that to school for I show and tell and you were like so and I was like, so neuroscience, my sister's gonna be a neurosurgeon. That means she's gonna operate on brain. <laughs> and I just remember like showing it off and being like all proud of her on the school bus. This book was like this big, I'm looking at. Um, but I did, like, I just thought that you couldn't get smarter. You couldn't get prettier. You couldn't get like, like more sleeps. Like she traveled the world. I was like, wow, I just wanna be my sister. If I could just be my sister, I'd be good. Um, and yeah, so like, she she influenced me even though we didn't we weren't under the same roof like so by the time I started having these memories my sister was older um but like I just remember when she lived in Italy like getting little packages from Italy and I just was like oh my god like my sister sent us she sent oh me my a little jar of ashes I had those ashes little jar of ashes from Mount Etna on my nightstand probably until I was Definitely in high school. Yeah. I don't know where the bottle of ashes went. I've lost it since high school. I don't know how I lose something like that. But I had, yeah, Mount Etna ashes just because my sister collected them for me. And I'm, I'm the same way now. I have bottles with Egyptian sand. I'm like, I got this oh, one. Yeah. The big you, you got me the Egyptian eyeliner. I love, I just love. Yes, I, I value that the same way that you valued your ashes. Yeah. Yep. But yeah, so those are my three ladies for sure. Mom, Nan, your mom. Um, and then I feel like when you take it out of family, I'm, I'm really strange in that way. I don't let people as close to me as I let family. Um, I don't, I don't think I want anybody, like even my best friend, I have a best friend that I've known since sixth grade, love her, but she hasn't influenced me except for my love of new edition and Brian McKnight. Oh yes. <laughs> he influenced me strongly. We, we're, we're a little bit obsessed. <laughs> like fifth grade. <laughs> but so I, and I, I adore her. I adore her. Yeah. I think she's yeah. perfect and I love her, but she doesn't, I, I, it's weird. Like I, I put up a wall. If you're not family, I don't want like right. a lot of influence right. coming and from not to, not And, and that, do, I don't want anyone to think that there's a negative connotation to that. We've had no. this conversation before. This, this is, yes, this is about the fact that we come from a family where, where there are a total of six siblings my father, five siblings. Mm -hmm. And those siblings did not disperse and disconnect in the way that some other families do. Right. So right. this thing, this way that we've been conditioned to, this is your brother, this is your sister. They are right next to you. They are under this roof. They are experiencing life the same way that you are. You are to protect them, respect them, this and that and help them. And this was our family upbringing. So yeah. when, you, when you mentioned your best friend, I, I understand it's not that you're necessarily trying to block her out, Ooh, but when I don't you have that. sisters like Michelle and Lynette, you're kind of like, all right, Michelle, Lynette. Yeah. Do I, do I need anybody? Do I need anybody? Right. Else? And it comes from a need. And I've always had that. 
Like and I, never anything, needed, I never needed like, anybody else. And not that friends didn't come from me, but but like early on, I didn't care if I didn't have friends. Cause I was like, um, I got these brothers and these sisters right. and this mama, like I just, I didn't need. And then when our family got bigger and now I have nieces, like who do I choose? If I, listen, when this world opens up again and Corona is gone, who am I hanging out with? I'm hanging out with Ava and Ivana and Michelle. Every and single one of them. Every single one. We are going to flip out when no. we can hang out with each other safely again. I feel like maybe we should just buy a house together and just and make up for lost time because. It's like, all right, we got to do this because we missed like two years now. But yeah, so I don't, I never felt the need yeah. to have friends. I, I was lucky enough, but it, I think that protected me too, because I wasn't one of these people out here getting hurt by friends because I didn't care. Like, I'm not even kidding. If you walked up to me, even in that drama filled middle school age, right, where everybody's like, I'm not your friend no more because you talking to her, right? I'll be like, okay. <laughs> I just pictured you walking home and looking at Aunt Lynette like, guess what? Such and such, she ain't my friend no more. Like, and I might be sad <laughs> and I'm like, hurt. Like, yeah, I, I, I might be sad because I don't want you to hurt. Like I would say, hey, friend, like it's not like that. I love you. you I do something to, yeah. But I wouldn't be like, um, what do I need to get you back? How can I do that? Like I never played that. I never had to play that game because I really didn't care. If you were my friend and you and, and if you were bad for me, if you if you if I called you friend and you were bad for me, I could let you go. I wouldn't even cry about it. I'd just be like, you know what? Yeah, this ain't this ain't good for me. Like you Ooh. started to like be bad for me. Dismiss. I wish I could do that with men. Like that's a different story. With men is a whole nother thing. But with friends, I could let a friend go when, especially at that that time where we were, where I feel like middle school, high school, where friends were like everything. They weren't my everything. I had friends. I had good friends. And I think that's why I had three best friends. I've never been hurt by a friend. Never. I've never had a friend do anything to hurt me because mm -hmm. if you hurt me, I would be like, yeah, we're not friends. And that was it. Because I had sisters. I didn't need you anyway. Like, it was good for me to have siblings in that way. So I think right. if you don't have siblings, you're always, um, you're looking. You're looking for somebody else. I didn't need nobody else. Right, um, right. So even, even with Tamia, like, she knows I love her. I adore her. Um, it's not a blockage. She knows everything about me. Like, we're, we're close. Like, don't get, we're intimately close. Right. But it's something else that, like, I don't know. It's just different. And, and, and I'm, right. my, my thought was to, to continue to shine. Uh, positive light on that concept, it makes those friendships that much more beautiful when when people know. are able to get that close to you. I, I was thinking of Dominique as you were speaking. Oh, yeah. and Tania, yeah. You know, so when the connection oh. can grow to be that strong and people can be that intimate, you know, with you in terms of your friendship, mm -hmm. then you're oh, like, oh, dad, you love me as much as my sister does. Right. What? Yeah. And, so. and and that's one thing too. Like, I don't like, she's not, I, I hope she knows this. I think she does know it. that. Yeah. Like for me, cause I, I, you're, you're here because I want you here and cause I love you right. and I, not because I need you cause you're doing anything for me or whatever. Um, and I do, she's a great mother. Like now I look at her and I'm like, wow, she's such a, an amazing human that I'm glad, I'm glad she's here. And she is, she's, it, it's pretty special. Cause I don't, I count my friends on very few fingers. Um, and I have, I have gotten some new ones. Like I met some new friends through my lady cigar group that are in my mm -hmm. corner in a way that I've never had as an adult, unless you were my sister or my brother. That's amazing. So I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm meeting new people that I do feel like I would do anything to help and support them too. So I'm, mm -hmm. I feel like my idea of friendship is growing and I'm, I'm 43. So like, if I can learn about having new friends, mm -hmm. and how to love people, the lessons don't stop. The lessons yeah. don't stop. Yeah. So, but yeah, so yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm it's, it's mostly family though. Um, mm -hmm. just so many people that I, I look at and, and even you, like, as I'm watching you do your thing, I'm like, 
gee, like it was inspiring me. And I'm her, I'm supposed to be like inspiring her, like keeping her going. And I'm like, wait, like I draw a lot from you, Ava. Like you make me um you you make me want to do more and be better. Um yeah, and that's good. Like it's it's a good thing that you make me want to do more and be better. Um so. I'm blown away by how cyclical and reflective that is though, because you're seeing me do these things and I have scripts. I can tell you I have scripts written in my head of some of the conversations we've had. So I'm just over here like, well, you know what? I can do this or I can think this way or I can feel this way because of that one time Aunt Faith and I were in the car and she was talking to me about this experience she had and she told me it's okay to be like this. Like mm -hmm. it's, it's definitely- you remember those things. Oh, that's scary and great at the same time. <laughs> Please let me not hear this child wrong <laughs> ever. You did not. You And, and that's right, what right, I- Years ago. <laughs> years ago. And it's crazy, crazy how reflective that is and, and how it just keeps going and going and going. It's funny how that happens and, and how people are listening when you don't even like, you don't even yes. know that you're influencing someone's mind and, and you did. That's why it's important. That's why our words are important and our actions are important because everybody, not that I care about what everyone is doing, but yeah. the important people, the people that I love, the people that I'm here for, I, yeah, like they're watching me and my actions matter my and what i do what i do matter that's why like my marriage is important on a different level for that reason too yeah um i do think that like your marriage is up like it's a there's people to see too like definitely it's mine i love it it's personal it's it's my marriage but mm -hmm. other people see it and you gotta like you gotta show black love in a good light and oh, like, and in an honest light as well. And a good honest. light, but also being real, keeping it real too. Like this fool right here, I'm married Like, are you serious? Like, oh my God, I, I don't know how he's still alive. I should have killed him a long time ago, but I love him. Is he perfect? No, no way in hell is he anywhere near perfect. Neither am I. Is our marriage perfect? Nope, because we're imperfect, but we've been married. It'll be 20 years in August. So 20, mm. 20 years in August for me, like that feels like a long time. I, I like when I, it's just crazy, like 20 um, years. I, I wanted to kind of round to a close by asking about- the business? I feel like we didn't, I didn't talk about- Prohibition, right, right, right. And, and to tie it in to try to make it as cohesive as possible. Speaking on what you saw your mother do, or both of your parents, I think. Yeah. Oh. yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's kind of for the ride. <laughs> so speaking on, how you were inspired in terms of being an entrepreneur. Yeah. The fact that you did see your mother run successful businesses and now here you are with prohibition pairings, making it happen. Um, what you learned from her, what you saw her, everything though, the struggles of entrepreneurship, as well as the success that you were exposed to and how you knew that growing up, you were going to walk, you know, and, and carry that on even if I didn't want to, like there are times when I'm like, why am I a business owner? Why am I doing this? This is hard. It's Jackie. Jackie did this to me. Um, it, it, it was a gift as a kid watching my mom. So she, my mom had a food truck back before food trucks were like, and everybody have you. And now they're like, Ooh, it's the thing. No, back then it was hard work. And like, that's what it was. So my mom had a, a food truck. Um, and I watched her get up really early every morning to prep because she did breakfast and lunch. Um, I'm particularly in my mind, I'm thinking of the one time because she's had other food trucks. Um, but when I was young and we lived in Salem, New Jersey, um, I was like second, third grade. I can remember her getting up really early to prep 
every day. And I was lucky enough to like sneak along and go to the island with her. Um, mm-hmm. The island is the the um, nuclear plant in mm-hmm. New Jersey. That was her. She was there for breakfast and lunch. And I would go with her and watch her interact with the people. And like, it's just a food truck, right? She just sells sandwiches, hoagies, whatever. Really? Like these people loved my mom. I could see her. She would just be talking to them. And she, I remember her like um, I would like help like hand the food or take the money, whatever my job was. And I can remember her saying like, he's running a tab, just put it on the tab. Like my mom was just looking out for these guys who were working, busting their butt to the island and mm-hmm. they didn't get paid till Friday. So she would let them run a tab. And I was like, mm-hmm. now that like, to me, that that's where I remember when we talked about business yes. and personal, like where they interact is where I love it the most. So that's where I saw it like interacting. Um, but I knew it was hard work and I knew that um, it was, tiring and I knew that it was long days but then she would she taught me she'd come home and she'd we'd have like a stack of money right because back then everything's cash you know you weren't swiping cards so you like had money stacks of money and I'm thinking whoa we're rich <laughs> <laughs> goes, no stack of money both of us probably won <laughs> stacks of money and she would say let's count it so we'd count it out and we'd be like wow now keep in mind this is like 1982 83 and um and I'm like, $1,500, whoa, like blowing my little mind. Right. And she would go, okay, but this is how much we spent on gas to get to the island. And this is how much we spent, the food cost this much. This is how much we burned in gas because we had to keep the generator going. And da, 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 and, da, 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 and insurance. And, da, and she mm. would, and then we were left with a little stack. Right. <laughs> and I was like, okay, but it's still a stack. And, but it's a <laughs> so that's where, and I remember thinking like that feeling of going to do something that you thought of that was yours every step of the way from what you what it looked like mm-hmm. what you served people how you served it what you did what you said did you allow somebody to run a tab all of that she controlled and at the end of the day that little stack was hers because she from like beginning to end from fruition yeah. to what it was it was hers and i remember being like that's kind of awesome right, right, and, right. I, and it bit me and it never let go and then i watched <laughs> later in my life yeah, you get bit. Your mom is bit. She she knows. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it's it's hard because you can't forget what you know. I've tried. Yeah. There have been times where I didn't have a side business or like a side, people call them hustles now, right? Your side hustle. Um, when I didn't have one. And I was like, wow, like that extra spare time, the spare time was amazing. And then something would bite me and it wouldn't let go. And I'd be like, no, I don't hear that. I feel like I don't hear that little voice telling me you, know, you can make money if you do this or faith. Right. Why don't you do this? Because nobody's doing this, and you could do you this. Connect, you can connect with more people this way doing this thing. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. Shut up. Shut up. Be quiet. And um, and I ran from it for a long time. And then the idea for prohibition pairings came um, after my mom passed, and I think I just felt like part of that is her too. Like everything I do, mm-hmm. is, I asked her like, Mom, should I do this? Like, Mom, should I buy a trolley? Do we, do we need a trolley? Yes, we do, she said. And I went and bought a trolley. So, <laughs> yes. yes we do. Right, right. And we'll explain the trolley. I know that sounds kind of silly now. Don't worry. We'll get there. But yeah, we've like every business decision I'd like bring to her. And I think like, mom, what, what should I do with this? What should I do with that? So um, she definitely like inspired me to do that because I saw how, how it works. I saw the freedom that's there, but I also see the responsibility too. And I just, yeah, like once you're bit, you, you can't walk away. And um, when your brain is set up because I, talk to my mom like we would have conversations I'm little and we're talking about like marketing <laughs> if I had to change the name of the truck what should it what do you think it should be and I'm like I don't know mom like you really like cowboys can we do something so it's western and she's like yeah the, the truck did have a western food theme like she had like barbecue we're having with her 
a little oh, girl? Like, all, like little, all the little things. What should the menu look like? Like how should we like write it? And, and like just all those little things that are fun that I still think are fun to this day. I love. And everybody in the family is bit by the bug. It's so You're beautiful. I'm thinking crazy. about La La Land and just like like spread to everybody. Yes. <laughs> a good COVID. I rebuke it. I rebuke the spread of COVID. <laughs> it is, it is, it's a good thing. Yeah. And that's where I learned it from. And she um, she was still a, a, like a great example of it, even later in her life when, um, you know, she's older and she's still like her candle business. The candles. I was thinking about that this morning. If I had the strength to continue with candles. I would have so much money because her candles were ahead of the she was ahead of the curve. Um, with her candles and everything, like it was, it was amazing. I think it was her most successful business. And at the time she was doing it by herself because I was married, living in North Jersey. Um, I was, you know, I was starting to teach. I think she started it when I was in, yeah, like at my first year of teaching and I couldn't dive into it to help her like I could have. And I just, I'm like, if, if she could have just taken it to the next step, like gotten a shop or gotten a factory, like, oh my God, there'd be Jackie's candles everywhere. I still got them all over the house, <laughs> but yeah. So she, she up up until like even like shortly before she left us, like even she was always doing something different, like her paintings. And I was like, yeah. and like, and it just it was just it. She just illustrated that to me that it doesn't stop. It doesn't stop. Your learning doesn't stop. What you do doesn't. What you produce for the world doesn't stop. Even when you're older and you know your your health isn't good. She was paint. My mom painted. Literally, I think she pumped out a painting a day. I remember like jewelry. her jewelry was beautiful. It was. So it, it, it doesn't stop. Like that's what I learned from my mom. It don't stop. So that's why like if I after retirement, it's not it's not gonna stop. Like actually it's gonna kick up. The world's yeah. gonna get sick of seeing me when I'm old mm -hmm. and tired. <laughs> but, and I know you know that you don't stop either. And your mom don't stop. Like it's just it's it's in there. Yeah. So prohibition pairings was um it was an idea that like I love to smoke cigars and there aren't many women in the industry that um that you can like see i mean there there are there are lots of women yeah. in the industry they're just not like you don't notice them i feel like the cigar industry is definitely male male dominated out by the men mm -hmm. so we we started um mobile cigar business and um we also like bourbon and whiskey i love rum and we like to pair our cigars with the drinks that we like and that's where prohibition pairings comes from we named it prohibition pairings because i love that decadence of the 20s i like the the idea that, you know, um, alcohol was prohibited, but we were, we found a way and especially black people in the twenties were very active in finding a way, like all those speakeasies, we still found a way to get our music. I like the jazz from the twenties and we, we found a way to still like, to enjoy ourselves and, right. and, and be, be like a little extra against the law. We were having parties and, and hanging out and listening to jazz and cigar smoking is like that to me. Like it's decadent. It's kind of, yeah. you take your time to right. do it and mm -hmm. it's just like a thing. So we, we put the two together and, um, and wanted to be mobile so that we are, our saying is hashtag bringing cigars to the people. So wherever there's people that want to smoke cigars, we can come and we can bring you cigars. And um, so that's what we do. We bring cigars to the people. And um, there's a woman at the front of it. My husband is right there too, but he likes that. It was my idea. And he likes that, um, that I'm so knowledgeable about cigars and what I like and, you know, just kind of the culture because it's definitely a culture. Yes, that's powerful. And when you express the hashtag, 
Mm-hmm. When, when you said something about the hashtag, you're not just bringing cigars to the people. One thing that's notable about prohibition pairings, you bring, a, like you said, a decadent and classy atmosphere to whatever event that you're at as well. You know, so you've you've worked very hard. I remember, you know, the tent, but then how can we put lighting up the table? But then how can we set up, you know, the jars that each cigar is in and, you know, the sign? What do we want the sign to look like? I think you've gone above and beyond to to know what atmosphere you're bringing to people and to yeah. any of it when you come I, as well. That was I feel like, and that's that, I like that part of it. Again, that's where business and people meet. Like, I just want to, I know what I want when I sit down to smoke a cigar. And I, yeah. if I can get that in a mobile setting, then great. So yeah, we, I just want people to, to feel like, to feel like they want to be right where yeah. they are. So, and then that, that feeling of, I know. <laughs> right. And that feeling of, I didn't have to get up and go to the lounge. I could bring the lounge to me. And then still in your comfortable space, in your backyard, in the venue of your choice, you got dressed up and you had a certain yeah. air about you. You yep. get to go mm-hmm. sit in that lounge, you know, and choose from an array of different cigars and talk to the amazing Faith Creamer Alexander about the choices of cigars available. Like- and that, that, so that's where, like, where we are different. I feel like the, the point of um of that intersection with our business and with the people that we meet is where all the magic happens where you are you get me you you get my husband like you get service i'm not just we don't just set up and say here's the cigars enjoy you get service i'm mm-hmm. talking to you about that cigar i'm asking you what you're drinking because what you're drinking might go great with this cigar right here instead of that one and if you're a new smoker i make sure you know what you're doing so that you you know so that you feel comfortable having your first cigar ever and not like, like, I don't know what I'm doing. And yeah, I don't want people inhaling and getting sick. That was me. <laughs> Here to switch you, honey. So a little education. I love to talk about like where cigars come from and why that cigar tastes like that, you know, and why, why, um, you know, what the wrapper tastes like and how much of that affects what you're, what you're smoking. Like just, there's so much to cigars. Cigars are, cigars and wine are very similar. When people mm-hmm. talk about wine, and some people that like don't drink wine are like, well, why, why is there so much to say about wine? Because where the grapes were grown, how, what water they use, like everything affects wine. Same thing with cigars. And then developing right. your palate to like pick that up mm-hmm. is fun. And I'm still developing my palate. It's really, it's really interesting. So cigars are interesting. I, I love them. And, and it's nice to have a business where you're doing mm-hmm. something that you, you love. It's really Yes. A lot of talking. We get to talk a lot. I mean, one of the best things about being at a cigar lounge are the conversations that happen. Mm-hmm. Like just because people are sitting still for an hour or more, because it, t- it takes right. me an hour to smoke like a good sized cigar. So mm-hmm. for an hour, I'm just sitting there and I got maybe a little drink in my hand and all these people that I can talk to. And we all talk. That's all in the same do. position. They stopped <laughs> and give themselves the opportunity to just sit, exhale, enjoy. Best conversations. I can't even mm-hmm. like tell you. They're the most... So, you know, Ava, the conversations that you have with your family, right? When, right. when the, like some, some strange, sometimes it's strange stuff. Like I can't get together with, to, with my brothers and sisters without talking about aliens or yeah. <laughs> so, like yeah, the pyramids and whatever, yeah. spirituality. Like we talk about heavy stuff. I've never had those kinds of conversations anywhere outside of my family, except in the cigar lounge. You meet yeah. some very, like some people that want to talk about things like that. And so we've had some interesting conversations. I mean, from every, from politics, to religion, like we, you, you can cover that in a cigar lounge because because we're respectful and everybody's good with that. And then the joking that happens in a cigar, like I swear, I leave like laughing so hard. You just like, busting on everybody? Is that what happens? <laughs> we'll be like, look at his shoes. No, we don't do that. Okay. <laughs> just 
it depends on what lounge I'm at. <laughs> but we 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 connect even with strangers. You'll you you walk out of a cigar lounge and you just learn something about somebody because you sat with them for an hour, or you don't want to talk and you just chill, and that's fine too. So it's a cigar lounge is great, and that's what we're doing. We're trying to repl- replicate that experience at a cigar lounge. You get somebody that's taking care of you, and you're smoking, and you meet new people. So that's what we do, and our trolley helps with that. Our little our little trolley that is that we're working on and that's to roll her out product of that COVID when COVID COVID just needs to die down a bit and um so it's basically it's a cigar lounge on wheels and we yep. bring it to you and it's a beautiful classic Boyertown trolley um but believe it's 1972 is when it was built so it's like classic it looks like a street car from New Orleans and I love yeah. it I think she's pretty I think she's cute um so yeah that's so what you like that at a wedding reception with that decadent, classy, old school theme, that 1920s theme. That, that, that it, it is. It's very classy. It's it's decadent. It's kind of like, I just feel like it, it adds to whatever you're trying to do. If your wedding mm-hmm. is um, casual, all right, then throw in a, a cigar scar trolley. But if it's fancy, it works with it too. If you have this beautiful wedding that everyone looks astonishing, like, hey, come on in the trolley and we look great in here too. <laughs> so I can't wait to how the the lighting like the string lights that you used for what you had before the yeah. trolley and yeah, then having that. That same style of string light either yeah. inside or outside the windows the fact that you have like the open air space man it is gorgeous so it, so. it it works we are gonna um i feel like the the idea is good um we just have to put it into action and COVID just slowed us down just because you know the amount of people that i feel safe you know having together in a trolley even though our, we have it's open air, the windows, like they're, it's totally open. I still, you know, feel like we have to be careful. I want to model like being careful. I don't ever want to bring people together and it be questionable. So just trying to be responsible, but can't wait until we can get out there and show everybody the trolley and enjoy our season. Cause again, we're, we're an outdoor mobile cigar lounge. So weather is, you know, part of, part of our season. So as soon as the weather breaks, hopefully COVID gets itself in check because Lord knows the president wasn't trying to get it in check. But with Biden in the office, maybe it'll be different. I agree. I hope so. Good things coming. Ava, good things coming. I'm ready for 2021 summer. Yes, please. Yeah. Yeah. We'll get there. I was just talking about that with a friend of mine, just like so many people are dying to travel, like just to get out of Dodge. And a lot of people are making plans for the summer. I know we are going to be on the yeah. We're, and then- we're in August and I'm just hoping that it's that COVID is good so that mm-hmm. we can do that. Yeah. I think people will master the art of a safe and outdoor event or outing, you know, yeah, so, it can be yeah. safe. So I'm, I'm, just, I'm looking forward to, even if it's just a little bit, like I said, if we just have to be outside and be safe, I'll just be glad to, to do something. Like I said, we're, we have a plan to be on the vineyard in August and like getting up to Martha's vineyard is not easy. Like, it's a lot of work just trying to get there because you can't get in unless you're on this little steamship. So we right. have to book everything in advance. And I would hate to book right. it all and then it not, you know, not pan out or you, know, you rent the house and then something comes up. So I'm just hoping that by the summertime we're we're good to go with certain things because we everything will be. Yeah, we're getting there. We're getting there. So we shall. So if, if from this conversation you did mm-hmm. not get inspired by the concept of knowing that there are multiple right paths that you can step on, doing what's necessary internally to be sure that you are on the right path, being ready to have to make some turns and loop-de-loops if necessary, um, 
I think that everything that you've given to us in this conversation has been uh, impactful. And just wanting to know, especially now that we've spoken about you being an entrepreneur, you having prohibition pairings, mm -hmm. what are some of the hardships? What are some of the U-turns or the sharp turns and things like that that a person may have to make when owning a business and having the strength and the courage to carry on knowing that it's the right path? It's, it, it is. There's lots of twists and turns. and You just have to kind of be steadfast and, um, you know, not judge your progress on anybody mm -hmm. else's progress. That that's something I fight with. I'm still, you know, working on that myself. But just to know that, like, to have trust your like to trust your your business model, like trust what you're trying to do, whatever it is, trust that you thought of that idea and that there's a place for it. Um, and you just have to find that place sometimes and be able to, I know we all talked about pivoting. Everybody had to pivot in COVID. Um, but I think small business owners are pivoting all the time. Um, mm. COVID just was a big example of how we had to pivot, how the whole world seemed to have to pivot. But we, we have to pivot all the time. When you're a small business owner, every move you make is feels larger because you're smaller. Um, mm. So everything counts. Everything matters. You know, to a small business owner, every sale is an important sale. If you're a big, you know, big business, they don't care about, you know, if, if one sale or two sales, but every sale to a small business owner matters. So so we're always constantly moving. And I guess that's just be, be OK with change. If it doesn't work, OK, scrap it and we'll do something else. If that product mm. is selling, OK, scrap it. Yes, and don't, don't sit inside of a feeling of defeat just because of that. You didn't lose. You didn't yeah. lose. You just you just misjudge that, or the or the or the public is misjudging what you're giving. So just figure that out. Sit for a second. Don't get upset. You're you're you know you're still you're still in the game. You know, I it's just. I mean, I've had businesses that didn't succeed. We had a transportation business that I got like it was open, and I had mm -hmm. and it didn't work because mm -hmm. we just it just couldn't do. So we we walked away from it. That's not a failure. I learned a lot from that yeah. and I learned a lot about um, like just being resilient. So if your lesson is that you just learn how to call, it takes a lot to call it quits. I could have hung on with Regal Transportation for a long time and lost more money and, and got disparaged and got upset. Um, but I learned that it's okay to say, wait a minute, this, this isn't what I need to be doing anyway, because if it was, then it would be working and just step back. So resilient, don't be afraid to change. Um, that's to me, that's what all small businesses that are working and are successful have done. They've just changed when they needed to COVID or not. You might need to change with the season because things are different in the winter than they are in the spring. That's how our business is like warm business, warm, warm months are when we're really, um, you know, busy and active. But then I was like, well, what do we do in the winter months? Change, pivot. I need a trolley that has heat. Right. <laughs> that's, where, that's where I had to change. Yeah. And to go along with the analogy of, of these paths that people are on, traveling on, and the path being right or wrong, um, as you were explaining everything just now, I thought about that voice that the GPS has and when it says recalculating or rerouting. Yeah, we rerouted. Yes. And what you just said to me, that's a skill. That's a tool to be sharpened. Sharpen yeah. the tool that is rerouting and, and doing it gracefully and, and giving yourself grace to reroute when things are not necessarily going in the right direction. Yeah, give yourself that grace. You're right. I feel like so many of us don't do that, especially those of us with like an entrepreneur spirit, because mm -hmm. usually we're kind of like those people that are like, like, you got to do this. Really like you said, yeah, everything matters. Yeah. Everything matters. And your eyes on all of it. Right. But then, so our, our naturally, I think our personalities make that hard, make it hard to, to do that, but just be okay with it. And, and it, it's a challenge. It's like a new, like a new thing that you're creating right there at that moment like all right so I'm, i need to make a little 
adjustment here and now I get make the adjustment and now I get to push forward in a different direction. You're never right. bored. I promise you that that if you're bored and you're an entrepreneur, you're doing something wrong. Mm. You have a business and it's yours and your name is on that business certificate or on that LLC and you're bored, you're you're doing it wrong. Because what why would you be bored? Go do something new. Go go yes. figure out something different. So Build. yeah brand, go grow, extend, reach people, communicate. Uh, yes. There's so much to do. There's so much that you can do. And I just, that's one of the reasons why I think I like having an idea of owning my own business because I can, I can decide that, that I want to add this, change that. Mm -hmm. I'm all for entrepreneurship. I think that there are things in this country that could be done that could make that easier because uh, it's hard to be an entrepreneur, but um, you know, making small business loans easier to access. Hopefully we're getting in that direction. So I don't know. It's a good time to to be in business or thinking about being in business for yourself. Amen. Amen. You are the most beautiful spirit ever. You just brought the third, third season of the Mirage podcast to a phenomenal close. I'm over here like, I feel like this is my first root therapy session. I'm coming back for another after this. I'll be like, able to around as a client. One day we're gonna get this yeah. going. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Great. Thank but, you for making yeah. this space for people, Ava. Your space is an important space. This the Mirage Pod does some some good things for, for individuals. You get inspired, everybody watching gets inspired. The person you're talking to gets inspired. Like, because I'm 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 inspired. I feel really good today just because we had this conversation. Mm-hmm. And it's gonna carry on. There it, there was so much about it to continue to think on right. and, and grow through. So we'll do a part two when we have re researched some of our ancestry a little better. Cause we do yeah. got to work on that. We got to get, and your mom's good at that too. You got to get her brain involved in this too. So yeah, we yeah. could do a part two. Just, Hey, let's build on Ava's ancestry. We can, you know, the all possibilities are endless. Yes. I'm it is. That. And you can make sure you keep in touch with your shaman. I will. <laughs> <laughs> and thank you. You listen. You are such a phenomenal counselor, but because you are so phenomenal, that just means you have many things on your plate that you are balancing and being great at. I really appreciate the time that you invested. You are welcome. It was so much fun though. Like I, I that time flew and I hope, like I said, I hope it wasn't too crazy. I know I'm hard to put in a, you know, contain. I'm hard to contain, I go all over. But it was <laughs> it was a really well invested two and a half hours. I agree, thank so, you. All right, baby, so I, I will- I love you so much. I love you too, sweetheart. This is great. You keep up the good work. You're going to have many more seasons of good stuff. Thank you. All right, baby.